It's time to get real with Robin. Join veteran broadcaster Robin Cote and her co-hosts, known as The Collective, as they delve into subject matters that most are afraid to talk about, but need to hear. And now, get ready to get real. Robin, one of the things that anybody who's listened to me talk on this show and in our personal conversations knows that the mentorship of Sean Stevenson has has meant a lot to me, and it's meant a lot to a lot of people. I think it has allowed me to connect with great people like you on a on a on a deeper level and form bonds that are, are more lasting uh, than they otherwise would be. And one of the other benefits to that relationship with Sean is that it brought a lot of great people into my orbit and allows me to introduce them to you and make them part of, of your collective and and share their stories with the world and have them affect my life as well. And today we have one of those phenomenal people that I met through Sean, who is probably peering over us now as I, uh, as I talk. Um, but I, before I bring my friend Cody Burns on, I want to, I want to read something he posted on Instagram that, that I would entitle, it's kind of like a, a format for hope, a formula for hope, maybe I would say. I'm going to paraphrase this a little bit. When you, you hear his story and everyone hears his story, they're going to get to know exactly how powerful these words are. There is power when we go from hiding our scars to embracing and celebrating them. Celebrating the fact that you survived the very thing that was meant to destroy you. Celebrating the lessons you've learned through your painful experiences. However, I understand that it's not always easy to achieve this, as some scars, either physical or emotional, occurred through extremely devastating times. These scars are often developed through other people's poor choices, resulting in our having a hard time forgiving. Some scars are brought on because of our own poor choices, leaving us needing to forgive others. Others might be brought on by sickness or natural disasters, leaving us puzzled with questions as to why these things happen. Whatever the case may be, I challenge you to forgive where forgiveness is needed. Find the healing necessary to move forward and celebrate the fact that you are here today for a reason. That reason might very well be to give hope to someone else about their scars. In what ways? Can you celebrate your story and give hope to someone today? Well, you know what? Our guest today, my friend. Our co-host. Our co-host today (laughs) is a guy who's going to do just that and is living just that. Someone I met through Sean Stevenson. Someone I'm proud to call a friend uh, and someone I admire deeply, uh, Cody Burns. Cody, welcome to The Collective and welcome to this episode of Get Real. Oh, Kirk, thank you so much for that marvelous introduction, and I am so honored to be here this evening with you and Robin. You know, i got to tell you something before we even move further. I still have goosebumps all up and down my arms and my legs right now of what Kirk just read that you posted, and your words really resonate, and they hit home with not just me and him, but I'm sure everybody that's listening to this can relate to that because we don't think about the scars and what lies below the surface. 
We don't think about forgiveness. We don't think about these things. And you have an incredible, incredible backstory. And, you know, I started doing some research on you when Kirk brought this idea to do this show with you. And 23 years old, you had something change your life dramatically. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just out of the out of nowhere, truly. And you're just on that path and suddenly you find yourself at a stoplight. And I think many people in today's world have found themselves at stoplights where everything in their life is no longer the same. The world around us continues to move on, but yet we feel stuck. And that's where I found myself back in 2013. Well, Cody, could you describe for us, I mean, you know, a stoplight could be a metaphor, but in this case, knowing a bit of your story, I know that that we're talking about a real stoplight. And the lessons really in your story are, are go beyond what the the initial uh, accident that brought all this forward. But but we can't get into releasing scars till we find out where they came from. So if you could give us perhaps maybe the Cliff Notes version of where those scars came from and what that uh, stoplight uh, wound up doing to your life. Yes, yeah, I'll go back to that time period, just really as a young man, just kind of setting the stage for the interview. uh, As a young man, I was always purpose-driven. I always wanted to give hope to people, and I always knew that that's what I was going to be doing on an international scale, although I didn't quite know how I would get there. Growing up in the middle of a cornfield, literally, in southern Indiana, country boy, great family, had a wild imagination, but I was always very supportive. And I grew up going to church and always in a positive atmosphere, granted not perfect by any means, but certainly uh, a good atmosphere where I was encouraged to try to live my life right. And so as a little boy, I remember going to a kid's camp and there there was a camp speaker and this camp speaker also had a special skill to go along with his message and that was juggling. And so instantly as a little boy, I was hooked in. And for those that if they Google me, they will see that I have interesting talents uh, to go along with my speaking and that is juggling and doing comedy. That's something that I've always loved. But I really use it as an icebreaker. And so I seen that speaker at camp as a little boy sharing that message of hope and he was using these skills and I thought man I would love to do that someday and and really it was something on the inside of me in that moment that just kind of connected and said this is what you will be doing and I believe that to be God me personally and I pursued that path from an early age Uh, did the juggling and comedy for many years spoke at churches fairs festivals and then eventually did some circuit stuff it was little spot dates here and there, but spoke for camps, I mean, crusades, all kinds of stuff. I did some corporate events as well. It really started taking off. And then fast forward out of high school, I went to a ministry program in Rockford, Illinois. It would be there that I got my pastoral credentials. And then after I got my training there, I became a children's pastor. And at the same time of being a children's pastor, I got to travel around the country doing these camps and all these things I was just sharing. But then in 2013, I was 23 years old, just turned 23. I just gotten back from doing work in Cuba. I was there for a couple of weeks working with hundreds of kids and leaders, and it was just wonderful. And I'm thinking to myself, all right, that vision of giving hope, it's finally happening. I'm finally starting to venture out to different parts of the world. And then it would be in May of 2013. It was a Friday afternoon. I 
was at my church office. I had a meeting at a university, Vincent's University to be exact. I was going to be doing a comedy and juggling performance on the following weekend. And I met with the directors of the university and everyone was excited for the big show. And as I was, as I was too, and driving back to my church office, it would then be the end of everything as I knew it. And I was stopped at a red light on the highway and everything that I delay in my message and, and share it strictly from police reports and first responders. Uh, I do not remember anything that took place. I just remember driving and then everything is black, almost as if I didn't exist. And then three weeks later, I would wake up out of a coma off of life support in the burn unit in Indianapolis, Indiana. But what I am told is that I was stopped at this red light. I was rear-ended by a refrigerator box truck that was going full highway speed. It showed no signs of stopping. On impact of the box truck hitting my Dodge Durango, my, ve my vehicle blew up into flames. The first responders, when they came to the scene, well, I'll backtrack. When it, pushed, when it blew up my Dodge, it pushed me through the intersection into an embankment. And there was actually a van in front of me with a lady inside of it. And her van went to one side of the intersection. Mine went to the other. Thank God she was okay. So when the first responders came, uh, by the looks of what happened to me in my car, I was pronounced dead just by the looks of it. And so they had already called the corner because they just assumed it was a fatality. Um, so they was helping the lady out of her van. Thank God she you know, was okay. I, on the other hand, was there burning alive inside of this big ball of fire and for those that are interested there are images out there online the sheriff's department took hundreds of these photos and i'm very grateful that they did because i think it would be very hard to describe what happened to me um, without those images uh, but somehow or another one of the first responders saw my hand move and everything changed in that moment a little bit of movement change things and i always connect that back with people and i think there's many people that have found themselves at stoplights maybe that is a death in the family maybe that's loss of a job maybe that is a divorce the list could go on and we find ourselves trapped and the world is moving on here we are we're stuck in a horrible situation and i just wonder what a little bit of movement can do for those individuals and their life. That little bit of movement changed everything for me. And when the first responders saw my hand move, they got me out of the car. It took them an hour to get me out of that thing. They had to get the jaws of life. And they life flighted me to the burn unit in Indianapolis, Indiana. Now, I, that's about a three-hour drive if I were to drive it. So it was quite a little helicopter ride. I don't remember none of it. But surprisingly to the first responders and the, the sheriff's office, they said I was talking to them. They said I told them who I was, where I worked, everything. I don't remember none of it. Um, but, however, they put me out. I was sent to the burn unit. I had severe burn injuries, 40% of my body severely burned. I had third and fourth degree burns. I never knew there was, there was such a thing as a fourth degree burn, but they exist. And what that is is it burns through all of your fat cells down to bone and muscle, and in some cases it requires amputation. They actually wanted to amputate three of my fingers and my family. They was there during that time period, and they told the surgeons, they said, no, do whatever you can to save his fingers. He juggles. Of course, you could imagine the surgeon's face. They're probably like, really? You're kidding me? The guy juggles. <laughs> uh, but 
I was there, the unit, so 40% of my body severely burned. My face had second degree burn. Second degree uh, doesn't scar. Then I had third and fourth. It was my hands, my arms, my legs, I got my feet, uh, different sections of the body. Um, it was very traumatizing. And I also had broken vertebrae. I had torn ligaments. I mean, I had uh, blood infection. All kinds of things happened to me whenever I was in the unit. But the most severe of my injuries was the burns. And three weeks coming to out of that coma, I was there. And my mother, I remember her specifically, she told me, she said, Cody, you know, your, your recovery, it's not going to be an easy journey. You know, you're here. You just got out of a coma. You're in the burn unit. But no matter what, don't lose sight of your vision. And those words still to this day stick with me. And I think it's important that all of us in life, when life knocks us down, we have individuals to remind us to not lose sight of our vision. And so my purpose here on this earth, not only is it to help people live free from the bonds of scars, but I also want to encourage people to not lose sight of what matters the most. Don't lose sight of your vision and what it is that you've ultimately always wanted to achieve. Well, let's talk about that vision because as, as I said earlier, I think you know the, this accident is, is the beginning of a story of a, of a new chapter in your life, but that vision remained. You know, you said it ended, and I, I guess I would correct you in the sense that I think it just got redirected. Renewed right? your life. Yeah. And so I want to talk about that vision and the role it played because, you know, when you left the story off, you're, you're about ready to engage in this recovery that is both a physical recovery and, and a mental recovery because everything, obviously, when we're 23, we're, we're quite spry. We're, we're invincible, you're full, full, full of energy. We think we're invincible, all that stuff. And then here you are at 23 with this vision for your life and as really the, the only the way I see it anyway, the the only or most prominent anchor you had to move forward. So talk to me about your emotional state and, and that vision and how those played a part in in you becoming who you are today. Yeah, it, it certainly did play with my emotions. And for anybody that you know truly wants to dive in, they will know, and I'll tell them, I'm open and honest, that you know, I had my spurts of depression and you know, moments where I'm grateful that God would save me from such a tragedy. But then other moments I'm just wondering, you know, God, why didn't you take me? Uh, and you go back and forth and and it was very frustrating. You wonder why naturally. You're trying to do everything right. So you naturally have those emotions. However, I had a great support system. And I think this is key for a lot of folks. Uh, I had a family, fortunately, in my case, that was always there for me. Um, on top of my family, I also had a lot of mentors. I had pastors, leaders that were encouraging me on the daily. There's many people in today's world, they may say, well, Cody, I wasn't fortunate to have a great support system like you. And my response to them is, the moment you turn 18, you are in charge of putting that support system in place. And so even though we can't change the fact of who our family may be, maybe they're not there for you. Maybe they wasn't very supportive. There are people in today's world that will love you and cherish you and encourage you to be all, to be all that you can be. 
And so find those individuals and love them and nurture those relationships because they will be beneficial when life does knock you down because at some point or another, it will. It does for all of us. And for me as a young man, it knocked me down. Uh, 23, as you were saying, traveling the country, traveling different parts of the world, very active, thinking to myself, you know, something like that will never happen to me. I think everybody kind of gets in that natural thought process of like, well, you know, um, that that'll never happen. But, you know, sometimes it does. And life throws you a curveball. And it certainly did for me. And it was challenging. And I had many people, like I said, that were encouraging me to get back up, to keep moving along. I will say that because of what I was doing before the accident had happened, I was traveling, speaking to children, teenagers did some adult events as well. But my audience more so at that time was children. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, what is the message that I'm going to preach? What is that message I'm going to preach to these children now? Here I've been doing, trying to give people hope, encourage people for all these years as a young man. Now my life is suddenly knocked down. I remember being up in the in-stay rehab because, well, I'll say I was in the burn unit for two and a half months and I had many surgeries. And then I had to go to a rehabilitation center where I was monitored by nurses and doctors 24-7. I had to relearn to walk. I had to relearn to use my hands, all the basics. I was in there for about six weeks. And then I had to go and do almost two years of nonstop outpatient physical and occupational therapy and many surgeries during that time just to get to a place where I could finally move on again. Uh, But when I was in in in-stay rehab, I had gotten get-well cards from many different people around the world. News about this story spread like wildfire. Uh, My family had started a Facebook page. The news, the media had picked it up. And so naturally, there was thousands of people that was already following, following my story, and I hadn't even left the I haven't even left the rehab yet. And so I remember sitting there in the rehab unit and I got this big bag of all these get well cards from hundreds of children of this kids camp from this kids camp I had spoken at in Oklahoma City. And, you know, get well, you know, we're praying for you. We're thinking of you. Can't wait to see you again. And it just kind of really just dawned on me all the more of like, you know, they're, they're watching. People are watching. We can talk a message all day long when life is going well, but then suddenly when life takes a turn for the worse, our message, everything that we are about is suddenly put to the test. And my faith and my message and everything about me was put to the test in those moments. I think of the the example with an orange. If I were to squeeze an orange, that orange produces orange juice. And when life squeezes us, what do we produce? You know, is that depression? Is that anger? Is that, you know, resentment? It could go on and on. Um, But it it really, it revealed to me who I really was in the different areas of my life that needed work. Well, Cody, let me me get to that. I want to get to that because I I would challenge you on something and you, and you, you talked, used the orange juice example. And I think that's so true because, but at the same time, I think that no matter how much support we have. You know, when I had my battle with cancer, I had all kinds of support around me, at least those that I shared it with, because I was a public figure. I didn't share it, you know, worldwide yet until for for several weeks down the road. But the point being, I guess, was that is that ultimately 
you have to make those decisions, though, right? I mean, you have to be the one who is in physical therapy taking those steps. No matter how many people behind you, there has to be some internal drive, whether there's people behind you or not, quite frankly. So could you speak a little bit to that, to that internal drive? Because for me, I was the only one going in the chemo chair. And for you, you were the only one going through the rehab. So I think it's more than just support. It's also something internal. There's, again, using that vision as an example of fortitude. Yes, absolutely. And that's a great point. And and certainly, I think we are a byproduct of our environment. People do influence us in ways. However, at the same time, it is our choice. We have to make that decision to get back up because... I know from even as a speaker and encouraging people that at the end of the day, I can encourage you all day long, but you have to make the decisions to change and do something with your life. And so it was, it was the case for me. I had to make that decision, but I think the big turning point for me was just number one, seeing how the people were responding. What is that message that I want to preach? But also I had to go back to what is my purpose? Why am I doing what I'm doing to begin with? And my why is not for self-glorification. My why has always been to give hope, to encourage people. And I think that going back to that and just really setting with it uh, changed a lot for me. And also, too, understanding that I cannot change what happened to me. as As much as I would like to go back to that red light, I cannot change it. The only thing I can change is what might happen tomorrow, but it's all a matter of what I do today. That is what makes the difference. And life is short. And as a young man, I was exposed to just how fragile life is. And, you know, granted, there's even younger children that are exposed to how life can suddenly come to an end. And it's a wake-up call, and it really allows you to examine yourself and what, you, what it is that you ultimately want. And, and what is it that you want to give back to the world with the time that you have? And it, it, it lets you really think deep. Yeah, you think changes deep your perspective yourself. on everything. It does. Well, it well does. Cody, because one of the things that came to my mind, you said um, you made the comment that uh, about the red light, about being at the red light, not going back and changing it. And one of the things I've come to realize it was a hard realization for me to come to is that while I'm not happy that I got cancer. I'm happy that everything cancer taught me. So my question for you when you say you wouldn't go back to that red light, what about the lessons that would be lost were you not there? Yeah, no. And and I and, and that's yeah. So I say that yeah. but my my the truth is in how I I should have worded it probably a little bit correctly, but I am grateful. I'm out of place in my life where I'm grateful. Now, at the time when I was going through that, I wasn't grateful. Now, here I am today, right. eight years out, I'm grateful. And I'm I think, grateful that I yeah, went through this. I think that's an important point because I don't think you have to be necessarily grateful for the accident or the pain or the trauma it caused your family. I'm certainly not that way with the cancer I went through. But, you know, you and I, and I think it's an important point for people that are, are reaching that pain point now dealing with that to understand that there's so many lessons there that can come out and, and you know your your great book that I've read a while back scar release talking about the releasing of those things and and the, and the value you get from those lessons that help you 
evolve. And I think that's such an important part of all this because we can wallow in the victimhood or we can wallow in the lessons. And I think that's just such an important point for anybody out there. I, maybe if you have some thoughts on that. Yeah, no, it, it really is. And I always, whenever I go speaking at places, I always talk about, you know, by the very fact that my mom said, you know, Cody, don't lose sight of your vision. She knew and understood that I had, that I had every right to give up and play the victim card. And there's many people in today's world, they have every right. I had every right, but my mom, she believed that there was something greater on the other side for her son. And just as she believed in me, I believe in everyone in today's world that no matter what has happened to you, you can get back up and there is a life worth living. Something beautiful can come from it. And one of the things I teach is the EPIC steps. EPIC, it's actually an acronym. And the E stands for Embrace Challenges. Embrace challenges. Challenges will always present themselves at one level or another. And then there is the P, which is providing perspective. What are the lessons I can learn from this difficult experience? And pain is one of our greatest teachers, to your point. We, we learn so much. There's so many lessons about not only our, ourselves, but life in general. And you find those lessons and you seize them. And then we have the I, which is implement change. We're basically applying these lessons to our lives. And then we have the C, which is celebrate. There is such power when we go from embracing our scars to celebrating them. And it's a process, but the celebration comes simply from the lessons I have learned. How has this made me a better person? And then also, at the same time, how has it allowed me to serve others more effectively? And so that C, celebrate. Celebrate, and out of your celebration, you serve others. You're making a difference in today's world. And the more I serve others, the more I get the opportunity to speak from a stage or speak on a podcast or a virtual keynote, whatever it may be, it's very therapeutic for me. It, it, and not only am I encouraging others, I'm encouraging myself because it kind of goes back to I'm making a difference. It's the I'm catharsis, right? Your catharsis. Yes. You're just having, you're taking your own experiences and you're sharing that with everyone but it's very healing for you because every time you talk about it, you're releasing those scars that are buried deep below the surface. Yes, absolutely. And the, the thing with the scar release and, and, I, and the whole idea of when I titled my book that, it's scar release is named after a surgical procedure that they do on burn survivors. And whenever I was up in the unit, I would hear this term scar release at different points. And I was always like, what is that? What is scar release? And I, and I remember going in and out of occupational therapy and my hands, for example, uh, as a burn survivor, I have contracture scars. And when a contracture scar occurs over the top of a joint, it can limit the mobility of that joint. And so I went into surgery, or sorry, I went into uh, rehab and the therapist said, Cody, you're going to need surgery because they had already done everything they can do as far as trying to stretch my hands and my scars. And my web spaces on my hands, they had contracted to the point where I couldn't even hold on to a bottle of water. It was very difficult to move and function with my hand. And so I went into the burn unit. The surgeons assessed me. We're going to need to do a scar release. A surgical contracture release is another term they would call it. And they go in and it's, it is, they put you out or they, you know, sedate you, whatever. With me, they put me out. And they cut the scar at the root and it allows you to be mobile again. But a scar release procedure does not remove the appearance of a scar. It allows the mobility to move with the scar. 
And so I take that and I connect it to people in general. And there's a lot of people in today's world that have been scarred over different joints, for example, and it has affected their mobility and they're unable to move. And maybe that is within their job. Maybe somebody at work rubbed them, rubbed them wrong. Uh, maybe there was an affair. Who knows? And there's different joints and they affect people. Maybe there was trauma in childhood, and whatever it may be. And if, and if they're not careful, those scars can limit them in moving forward. And so the key to freeing that scar is getting to the root of the matter. What is it that I need to do in order to be set free from the scars of yesterday? How can I truly break free of that? And for a lot of folks, it just boils down to forgiveness, whether it be forgiving somebody else or forgiving yourself. And granted, there's a lot of other psychological things I can go through and explain. But at the end of the day, what's powerful about the whole idea of scar release is that it doesn't remove the appearance of a scar. It allows the mobility to move with the scar. And there's power. Truly, there's power when we can move with our scars. Use them as a badge of honor to display to others to say that, you know what? There's hope. There's hope. You may be going through this difficult time right now, this difficult season. Here's my story. This is what I've gone through. And here's the lessons I've learned. And here's how they can help you, encourage you in your situation. I'm not ashamed of my scars. I share them because they have made me a better man today. And there's power in that. I'm speechless only because what you said is so incredibly powerful because we don't think about how a lot of times these emotional scars become physical limitations. And I see that a lot. They're the physical manifestations of the things that we hold inside of us, and we don't talk about it, we don't put it out there. What you're saying is so valuable because it teaches people that hope is the one thing we all need and it's the one thing that we all have even though we feel like we're helpless sometimes we feel like there's no solution to get us to that point and i've had so much childhood trauma in my life and we've talked about that on this show quite often that it took me quite a while to understand that i was limiting myself on where i could go in my life because i was allowing those traumas to keep me prisoner and until I started to confront those traumas and understand that sometimes the people that cause those situations for us, we don't necessarily have to tell them we forgive them, but we have to find within us a place where we can get to forgiveness in order to understand that our healing comes from that. And in my own process, I learned that I had to forgive myself because a lot of times that is the toughest thing of all is it's easier to forgive others than it is to forgive ourselves. But a lot of times we do bring on the stuff that happens to us. And, you know, I have another friend that talks about this. It's 90% of what we do with it. It's 10% of what happens, but 90% of what we do with it, that makes all the difference. And what you said is so very powerful, Cody, everything you just said is exactly what we need to do because we don't think about how those scars hold us prisoner. And in order to release it, we just need to figure out the way to do that. And a lot of that is forgiveness. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And I have seen that to be the case, not only within myself, but within many other people. And for those that, you know, are wondering, you know, I was hit by the 
another driver that was not paying attention. And because of his poor decisions, I have to suffer the consequences. I'm now scarred and damaged because of what this driver caused. And it was very challenging there for a little bit because I, you know, struggled with the idea of forgiveness. I'm thinking if this man only knew the, the, the torment I had to go through on the daily, the, 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 the physical pain and the emotional pain and the surgeries and the tears that not only I shed, but my family shed. And yeah, I really had to get to that place where, all right, you know what? I want to forgive. I want to forgive. And at that moment, it was powerful. And I would love to someday meet the driver. And still to this day, I have never talked with the driver. You know, he hasn't reached out to me. Uh, neither have I reached out to him. However, I believe I w it's going to take me reaching out at some point. I just don't know how to go about that. It's uh, been one of those things I'm praying and trying to seek some wisdom and guidance on. But I, I would love to just you know see him face to face and let him know that I do in fact forgive him. And who knows, maybe my story and my message could help him. I, I don't know his life, but at the same time, if he has scars, how powerful would it be that God would grant me the opportunity to be used to help him be set free of yesterday's troubles? It's powerful. Can I ask you, Cody, how you got to that place? I mean, I think there's many different ways, because I think a lot of people out listening to this now will say, you know, he could do it, but I couldn't do it, you know, the, in, in terms of forgiveness, right? And, you know, there's different processes, that we, you know, that uh, we, when we worked with Sean, we, we did a lot of different processes that I think related to forgiveness and our connection uh, to each other as, as a human collective, if you will. And, you know, I'd, I'd kind of like, I think people would benefit a lot from hearing your wisdom on how you get to the place of forgiveness. I mean, I mean, physically, I mean, is there meditation? Did you ever write him a letter? Did you ever have conversations with him that may, maybe just that existed in your head, something of that nature? Um, how did you really get there? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think it, it truly is with each person, it's very different and unique. And I've, I've heard stories of how people write letters and you know, different uh, things that may help them in that healing process. For me, it really boils down to my faith. Um, and I understand many people in today's world, they may not believe what I believe. And, and I respect that. And I certainly don't push my beliefs on others. I, I love, love everybody. Um, but for me, it really was. It was my faith. And, and I had to, you know, think to myself, you know, I'm, I'm not perfect by any means. And, you know, we're all human, and I know the guy certainly didn't mean to do what he did, um, but yet at the same time, he wasn't paying attention. And so, but there are people in today's world that have suffered because people may have meant to do damage. And so, each case is a little bit different, but for me, I, I had to really just reflect, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm not perfect. There's been many a times in my life that you know, I have made poor decisions, and my poor decisions may have hurt somebody. And granted, they may not be on purpose, but at the end of the day, I had to really think to myself, would I want to be forgiven? And I think in order to, me personally, this is my belief system, I think in order for me to be forgiven, I need to give 
forgiveness, forgiveness to others. And, and so, like I say, going back to my faith, you know, if I want to receive forgiveness of my poor choices, then I certainly need to forgive others. Um, and as we're all in this thing together, nobody is above another. And granted, there are people out there, though, that they make poor decisions, evil decisions. And people are, they can be vicious at different times. And it's very challenging to deal with the scars and the trauma that these people have caused. But you really do. I, it, for me, it, it went back to my faith, but you really do just need to sit with yourself. I think it's if you pray, you meditate, just think to yourself, what is it that I need to do that will help me truly forgive this person? Because forgiveness really is, it's not so much for the other person, it's really for yourself and helping you move forward. And granted, when we forgive, it doesn't mean that we forget. Um, and so a lot of people, there's a lot of people in my life that they have did rubbed me wrong and I've forgiven them, but I haven't forgotten. And just because I forgive somebody doesn't mean I need to be your best friend. Um, it also, I can love people from a distance. I set boundaries yeah. in my life. And, well, you can't forget. Otherwise, the lesson is gone. Exactly. It's going to happen again. Well, you know, Cody, one of the things that uh, occurs to me while you were talking is that, you know, I, re I read a story about a girl named Amy Beale. I might have the, it's been so long since I've read this, but she was a Fulbright scholar who was killed, um, I believe, somewhere in Africa. She was killed by three or four young men. Uh, her mother, she was maybe three or four weeks from returning home. Her mother flew to the sentencing of these young men, um, begged the judge to have mercy on them, and actually when one of them was released from prison, hired him to work at a company, a foundation that was dedicated in her daughter's memory, the girl he had been involved in killing. Wow. And I share that with you because I think that there are people like Mrs. Beale who do things like that in, in terms of acts of forgiveness that just set an example. And, and I remember my own process going through forgiving some of the people that I felt I needed to forgive. And she stood out as an example to me. And I want you to know on a personal level, I think, that you here coming here today, you're standing out as a personal example for a lot of people and then the work you do. And I think that is just such an important thing and something that, that I wouldn't forgive myself if I didn't share with you in this moment. Thank you so much, brother. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so very honored and blessed. And I, and I look at, I, I think that story just comes at a, you know, it comes at a price, but yet it, it comes with a responsibility. And, you know, one of my mentors, another mentor uh, that I have, he actually served in Vietnam. He's a burn survivor. His name is Dave Reaver. And he had a powerful, he has a powerful quote. And he told me, he said, Cody, he said, well, I'll share his story briefly. In Vietnam, he was about to throw a hand grenade and a sniper shot the hand grenade and it blew up all over his body. And so his face was burned. I think his most of his upper body, he has fingers amputated. And he was a young man at the time. And he told, he told me the story. He said, Cody, he said, you know, after that, he said, I battled with suicidal thoughts. And I was so frustrated. And I wondered, why would God allow me to be burned and scarred? 
And he said, Cody said, I was doing a TV interview. And he said, the lady that was interviewing me, she said, you know, Dave, do you know why God allowed you to be burned in this garden? He said, Cody, it frustrated me that she would ask me that on live television. He said, but I'll never forget her response. He said, or she had told Dave, she said, Dave, God did not do this to you, but he allowed it to happen because he could trust you with the scars. He could trust you with the story. And so I look at my life and everything that I have learned as I have been entrusted with something of value to be able to give and share with the world. And uh, I think there's a lot of folks today, you know, your story matters. It can make a difference in the, in the life of somebody else. What are, the, what are the lessons that you have to share? In what way can you encourage somebody else? And so I can turn that back around to you, my brother, and to Robin as well. And I thank you for what you are doing. And thank you for using the platform that you have been entrusted with to make a difference. I love it. Well, Cody, it's, it's, it's just been an absolute pleasure. And I know I, I, I appreciate you being here. And I know Robin does as well. It's just phenomenal to um, the fact that you chose to spend a little time with us and share your wisdom. It's, it's, it's meant so much. And you truly are a um, bright star in this world. And I'm, I'm proud to call you a friend. Oh, thank you. And likewise, I'm very, very honored and super blessed to have had this opportunity to be here on the show. I, I love this. Very honored. You are a real life phoenix, so you have a gigantic purpose. And what you're doing is so amazing because you're not afraid to share what you've been through. And that's the common thing we talk about here at Get Real is, like you said, everyone has a story to tell. And the problem is, a lot of times people don't want you to tell the story and it's a lot of times it's the people around you who are afraid of those stories that we have to share but how do we learn from one another how do we learn the lessons in life how do we go about our daily life if we're not sharing those stories because you never know who's going to be listening or watching or reading what you write and use that as an instruction manual to find their own way to healing because life is tough it's not easy and, you know, Cody, you went through this when you were 23. That is a life-altering thing that happened. And, you know, I still have it in the back of my mind that they pronounced you dead at the scene of the accident. And here you are today, a living, breathing phoenix who has risen literally from the ashes of a burning car. And I've seen those images online. They are overwhelmingly freaky just to look at that and to see how you've transformed your life and I do want to ask you one question because it's like just sticking right there. I've seen a lot of videos of you doing your juggling, and I know you're doing that again. But the one crazy thing that gets me, you're juggling with fire, and here you're the guy that was in this collision that could have ended your life, and you blew up basically in this car. And here you are playing with fire, juggling fire. That is like totally phenomenal for me to watch, and that that just brings the whole story around Robin, as I like to call it. It's just, it completes the whole circle of everything. You're sitting there juggling fire. That is phenomenal. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I and that is, it's some people would say it's pretty stupid, but I, I think it's pretty powerful because I was juggling, I started juggling fire when I was 13, 12, 13 years old. Wow. And never did I burn myself. And so after this incident, 
people always ask me, said, Cody, you going to juggle fire? And I said, well, yeah, I didn't burn myself. It was the accident that caused me to be burned and scarred. But I think there's also a powerful message in that because I'm not allowing fear to control me. And the, the very thing that scarred me, I own it. Um, I took back my life and I'm not going to allow the fear and the torment to control me. I am in control and that's powerful. That is the most powerful thing you've said on this entire show right there. I'm not going to let my I'm not going to let that fear control me. You own those scars and that is so very important is that we have to own those scars. We cannot be held prisoner by them for the rest of our lives. We don't deserve that. Yeah. That's it. Wow. I love it. Wow. Thank you so much Cody for sharing your story and your wisdom with us. I am so fascinated by you and now i'm going to go buy your book because i want to i just want to get a feel of you so much more i have watched so many videos of you over the past few weeks preparing for this show and i for one am grateful that my friend kirk introduced me to you so thank you so very much for sharing your story and your wisdom with all of us oh it is my pleasure and i'm very honored and and thank you once again for all that you are doing and kirk i appreciate you brother thank you so much for this wonderful connection and i am looking forward to seeing what more we could do in the future this is wonderful i appreciate you cody congrats on the engagement oh uh, thank you thank you congratulations (laughs) we should have put the disclaimer that he was single on the show before you know single women started looking him up on instagram i don't know he's you know he's a good he's a good looking young man so there you go that's a good looking young man you bet you bet so before we leave, tell everybody how they can find you because you have such an inspiring story and it's great to keep up with what you're doing. Yes, uh, my website, CodyBurns.com, C-O-D-Y-B-Y-R-N-S.com. On there, they can find out more about my topics, the things I talk about, my book. There's a link on there. It is available on Amazon, digital and paperback. It's also in Spanish, and go figure. So if you know anybody that speaks Spanish and they may need some encouragement, there's books out there where they can read that. I'm also very active on Instagram. I have Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. But Instagram is probably probably one of the most popular platforms that I tend to be on very often. But if they would like to send me a message by email, they can do so, info at CodyBurns.com. I would love to connect. Thank you so much, Cody, for your time, and thank you for being such a big inspiration to everybody out there and showing that it doesn't matter what happens. We can take those experiences, turn them into something better and make a better life for ourselves and be in service to help others. So thank you once again. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. And as always, guys, thanks for listening. Take care and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Get Real with Robin. Join Robin Cote and her co-hosts, known as The Collective, each week as they delve into subject matters most are afraid to talk about, but really need to hear. Join us next week here on Star Worldwide Networks as we continue to get real.